Good morning. A few items of business before we get started here. Thank you, Eric. First is, um, last week was my first week back from my sabbatical, which was great to be back, and I had an opportunity to uh, just thank and recognize the full-time staff for the way they really had to stand in the gap in an amazing way. It's super encouraging, and, and as I spent this past week in the office and just learning what all that meant, I'm even more thankful for that. But I also want to recognize our elder team. The elder team also um, stepped in in, in just a, a wonderful way. And I, I know for sure, I know Mark uh, Anderson and Greg Reed are in here. Could, could I ask those of you that on the elder team? There's five of us. I'm one. Obviously, the most that could stand up is four. But let's see how many stand up. Elder team, stand up, would you? There's Mark Anderson and Greg Reed back there. Yes. Um, gentlemen, thank you so very much. Uh, you, you've got to know that... Um, We've not always had an elder team. We've had one for quite a while, but for the first 10 or so years, we did not have one. I just, we were just too busy, I guess. And, and uh, I am so thankful. There's not been a day that has gone by that I'm not eternally grateful for my mentor who said, get an elder team, bozo, and I, and I worked on it. And then the gentlemen that have filled those gaps uh, these many years, and Mark is our elder team captain leader and he's uh, been amazing um, but the whole team just stepped in and so I'm just so so very thankful for that so and then we need to pray that's always important um, as Jamie noted it could be really easy you could be on autopilot right now I could be on autopilot right now right and it's just easy to get that way but we have to recognize that God is present he's in this room and he wants to be worshiped and, and he deserves to be worshipped, and whatever might get in the way. And we have an adversary who, who, who wants to derail that, dilute that. He wants to rob God of his glory and you of your joy and me of my joy. So let's take a moment, just quietly, whatever that means for you, to pray and kind of clear your head and ask for God to do something as we open his word, and then I will close us in prayer. Father, I believe that every person here and every person that's tuned in online, that their, their, their genuine desire is not to play games. It's to really recognize who you are and to worship you for who you are. We acknowledge we have an adversary. We have habits. We have distractions. They're all around us. We invite many of them into our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to set those down, set those aside, to give you what you so richly deserve, and that is our full attention, our hearts, our minds. Pray you would speak through me. God, I have nothing to say, zero. But you have everything to say to each and every one of us. And I pray you would bless this time of teaching for your glory and to build us up into the people you've always meant for us to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I want to read to you from what I think is a, well, for some of you, what will be a passage of Scripture that you're familiar with. It's uh, Galatians chapter, well, this is not where, because you actually know we're going to be in, um, continuing our I am statements, which is the book of John, but I want to take you to Galatians chapter 5, 
And Paul is describing for people just like you and me, kind of what the supernatural life looks like. Not in its entirety, this is not exhaustive, but it's very informative. And he's, he's commanding them to walk in the Spirit. In other words, to live out a supernatural life, that it's possible. And he says in verse 22 of chapter 5 in the book of Galatians, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. So he, he lists these character virtues, what really is the supernatural life. And previously he's been saying walk in these, which presumes that we can experience them in a supernatural way. And by that I mean certainly we might be able to manufacture these on our own. We might be able to dictate our circumstances to where we can actually have peace and joy. But Paul's talking about something supernatural, something that is independent of circumstances. It's something that naturally comes out. Now, I think for most Christians, if not in a season of their lives, maybe even more than they ever would want there to be in their lives, that the supernatural life isn't something that just readily happens. As a matter of fact, Oh, there's a bike here. Let me use this bike for a second here. I want to demonstrate to you what I think for most of us is kind of how this works. We just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And here's what we kind of do. We want these, and let's just say joy is that way. And we get on our bikes, metaphorically speaking, and we start pushing our way to trying to get to peace. I want joy. And we push and we push and we get there, but it costs us quite a bit. And this isn't what Paul's talking about. Paul is talking about peddling. He's talking about love and joy and peace. And I mean, this is easy. I could do this all day long. I could just, matter of fact, I might do this all day long. This is really nice. But do you see, I'm just pedaling along, and, and I'm, not, I'm not really doing much of anything, but I'm getting, oh, now you guys are messing with me here. But I'm getting, whoa, oh, that was close. You didn't know I was quite the bike aficionado, did you? Okay. Hopefully, I have made my point. If I haven't, the point is that there's a big difference between peddling and pushing. And so my question, what are you doing? Well, are you peddling or are you pushing? Are you striving for love and joy and peace and patience in your life? But man, you are doing everything to try to control your circumstances. You're trying to use, uh, use your willpower and, and kind of, it's up to you and you're just trying to get there and maybe you, you have some amount of success, if you will, but it's, it's exhausting. It's not sustainable. I would dare say from the scriptures, it's not even authentic. So are you peddling or are you pushing? And this morning, I want to take a moment and explore the difference in hopes that we can truly experience what Paul's describing as the supernatural life that, that comes out of peddling. And we'll, we'll talk about what exactly what that means. 
rather than the counterfeit of pushing. So if that is indeed the case, which I think it is, let's explore the differences. And to do that, we're going to go back to the book of John, which is where we've been looking at Jesus's I am statements. And whatever page, if you'll go to your table of contents, whatever page that corresponds to in your Bible, we were in John chapter 14. Last week, we'll be in John chapter 15 this week. Jesus's I am statements. And I'm going to start reading. As a matter of fact, I was when I was handing out the assignments of the I am statements, I, I wasn't going to give this one up. Because this is, this is my favorite verse. John 15, 5 is my favorite verse. If I could condense or distill down what the Christian life really is all about, John 15, 5, I think says it very succinctly. Um, I have it memorized. I, I, I think about it often. And uh, I, I think when, when you're done, well, hopefully when I'm done here, I will, I, I pray, as I have been praying, that, that you'll have a new appreciation for the power and the potential that's in 5, John 15, 5. But let's kind of read the context, starting with verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And, and that is actually a reference to Israel in the Old Testament, was referred to as God's vine. And Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. Israel had its shot, right? Israel became God's people and they were sent out to live for God's glory, but they chased after idols and other gods. And it was crash and burn. And God sends Jesus and he says, I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine yard keeper. Every branch of me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain to me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So let's go to 15.5 and let's, let's really kind of unpack what it means when he says, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. In other words, experiences the supernatural life that is Christianity. It may not be what you're experiencing, but it is what God wants you to experience. It is what God wants me to experience. But as I said, many, many Christ followers have kind of devolved Christianity down to something that's natural, something that you, you're, you're pushing through willpower to see these things come out in your life. And that the, the fact is you, you have momentary um, experiences. Maybe it's a, you can go back to when you went on a, a, a camp or a retreat and you, were, you pulled away and something really something special happened. Or maybe there was a, a really challenging situation in your life and you, you just relied on God. And in that moment, in that season, something supernatural really happened. But then it's back to the grind. It's back to doing and pushing and not peddling. And so people miss the supernatural because they think that Christianity is all about just doing the right things morally and expecting God to bless you supernaturally. That, that's kind of what it, what it looks like. 
But there's nothing supernatural about just putting forth your best, through your willpower, your best moral self. There's nothing supernatural about that. And so what really happens in verse 5 is many people get the remains in me part, but they don't get the and I in him part. And we're going to break both of those out because that's critical to really understanding this incredible promise that we have to participate in the divine life, in the supernatural life. But I want to start with a question. I want you to be honest. Are you experiencing the supernatural life now in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is there something supernatural about it? And if so, how would you describe it? What does that look like? And if not, then you've got to ask yourself some questions. And we'll ask them as we go along. Maybe you're missing something. Maybe there's a disconnect. But if you are, and again, this isn't exhaustive, but if you're experiencing the supernatural life that Christ came to live a perfect life in our place, to die a substitutionary death on our behalf to receive and, and take the judgment of God for our brokenness, and then rose three days later to verify and authenticate he's the guy. If you're experiencing the supernatural life through the work of Christ, my friends, there'll be things like you will want to worship. You will come in here not as coming to receive Give me some good worship music. Give me a good message that I can take away. So you you come in as as if you're not a participant, you're a recipient. But but that's, that's, there's nothing supernatural about that. You do that in every other aspect of life, as do I. When we go to a restaurant, give me a good meal. When we go to a movie, give me a good movie. But if you've been changed and if you've encountered the supernatural life of Christ in your life, you come here as a participant. Let me worship God. Let me thank him. Let me praise him. I I just have to do it. I can't believe this is happening to me. So there's worship in your life and in my life. There's there's you telling other people about this God because you can't shut up. And here's here's the thing. They already notice it in you because something supernatural is happening. This is what happens when we have the supernatural life. You desire to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, greater levels of trust in him and what he teaches and living it out, Um, greater pulling back from this world and seeking the treasures of this world, being content in what you have in Jesus. These are the things that happen when you are regularly encountering the supernatural. Now, if you're not, you can. If you are not encountering the supernatural life that I'm describing, if you are pushing everywhere you go and not peddling, you can. We have the promise here, and it's understanding how we do that. What does that look like? And you will not leave here today without understanding what that looks like and how to go about it. Now, it's up to you whether you do that or not. And let me just ask to the person who's not a follower of Jesus, and I know that we have people in here that are not, I ask you, is there anything otherworldly going on in your life? You have been created just like I have been created with, the Bible says, eternity in us. We have a sense that there is something greater and beyond ourselves. And that is God's like a homing device. That we would begin to seek what that is. And at the end of that, we would find a God who loves us immensely, who wants to save us through what Jesus has done so that we can be everything that he wants us to be and we can relate to him, interact with him in a supernatural way. 
Is there anything to those of you that are not followers of Jesus, are you finding anything that remotely comes close to something like that? Because I don't think you will. The natural will never exceed the supernatural. So let's talk about peddling. And peddling in a nutshell is when you're peddling and that connection you have with the pedals leads to production. I mean, that's what verse 5 says, right? It says, if you are in me and I'm in you, you will produce much fruit. My friends, peddling means that connection is production. And so what does it mean to be connected? What does that look like? Well, Jesus uses the words, remains in me. He's describing this connection that we have with him and that he has with us that leads to this production that I speak of. That's what it means when he says, remains in me. Now, what does that look like? Well, we could go into that a lot. But let me just give you a couple thoughts of what that means. To, to remain in Christ means to be 100% dependent upon many things. But I want to talk about two of them because Jesus mentions two of them in here. It means 100% dependence on God's word and God's love. I mean, he says that in here, right? In, in verse 7, I believe, he says, and my words remain in you. It's so important that we have 100% dependence on what God says right here, that, we, that we, read, we read God's word, we read the Bible, we reflect on it. We argue with it and let it win. We let it inform how we see life and understand ourselves, understand other people, understand the world in which we live. We, we let it shape us, but that takes time. You can't just do that in a quick devotional. Now, I'm not saying devotionals don't help, and over the years, people know what I think about devotionals. They become a crutch for us. They're not bad, but it's like if all you had for the rest of your life at dinner was dessert. It's going to taste good, but it's not going to keep, make you as healthy as you could be. But Jesus is saying, if, if my word remains in you, to, to read and to reflect on God's word, to spend time to do that, and, and to let the Bible challenge you, and to shape your life around, the t- that's what it means to remain, to, to be 100% dependent upon God's word. And then secondly, is to be 100% dependent upon God's love. In verse 9, and we didn't read it, but let me just expand our text a little bit. He says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. You see, to be, uh, to, to be peddling, to, to be connected, to, to remain in Christ is to remain in his love, which means that we must let his love inform how we see ourselves. We live in a world and a culture that really loves us based on what we can do, who we are. We're accepted for the, for the skills we have, what we bring to the table in many respects. And so you can struggle with, with a lot of different things. I can struggle with a lot of different things, what people think of you, what, uh, how people see you, how you see yourself when you look in the mirror. And when you're rejected in other places or when people make fun of you in other ways, do you run to that as the the statement upon and written over your life and you begin to try to change it? Or do you step back and say, wait a minute. The creator of this world loves me. He sent his son to die for me. And his love never changes for me. 
I mean, that's the amazing thing. God's love never changes. When you become a follower of Jesus, when I become a follower of Jesus, and we accept what Christ has done for us so that we can now become objects of God's love, that never, ever changes. In other words, God doesn't love you more when you're having a good day and love you less when you're having a bad one. The world will do that, but not God. And for us to remain and abide is to, is to stay connected to that kind of love. To, to realize, I was born spiritually diseased, and God sought me. He's seeking some of you right now. You're trying to find love in other places. You're trying to find and build your self-worth and self-esteem through other people that are imperfect and that, that are looking for you to give to them something that then they will give you their love. And God says, my love is unconditional. It is unending. It is amazing. And so we, we need to regularly stay there and remain there. Again, those are just a couple things that he mentions here. But let's flip over to the other one. Now, this is the one. The other one we, 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 tend, to, we tend to lose. We tend to forget. We got the remains in me part. Okay, I'm going to remain in Christ. I'm, I'm going to keep that connection good. But he says, and I in him. This is super important. You see, if you don't have the I in him part, then what you have in the remains in me is you have religion. You have pushing. You have trying to do things to, to please God in order to get something, and that is religion. Christianity is you've already received from God in Christ the blessing of new life. Now go live out of gratitude and thankfulness. There's a big difference there. And so we've got the remains in me, but the I and him part we miss. And the I in him part is really the supernatural part of it. It's when all of a sudden you realize your eyes open up to spiritual matters. And you begin to desire spiritual things. And God begins to change you through the work of the Spirit in your life and in my life to shape us into the likeness of Christ. So that these virtues, these, these character virtues come out. They ooze out. We don't force them out. They're not driven by circumstances. They just naturally come out. And so Jesus, the connection that he has with us, when he says, I and him, this is really important. It is more than influence. It is much more than influence. When Jesus says, I'm in you, it doesn't mean that he's around you, by you, next to you. He doesn't mean that. It's something greater than that. What he's saying is, I'm in you. I've, I, I'm penetrating you. To use a modern-day example, it'd be like um, a socket on the wall, or as Prickly Pete called them, holes. Anybody get that? Where are my Seinfeld people? Prickly Pete? You plug it in the holes? Okay, oh, Lee, I thought I'd get something out of that. But anyways, <laughs> step back from that. I thought it was pretty, pretty ingenious of me. But anyways, um, your heart and my heart is like a, a, a socket on the wall. And what the Spirit of God does is it penetrates your heart. It plugs into your heart. And from there, coming out of your life, is the supernatural life of Christ. It's the glory of God coming out of your life because Jesus isn't merely influencing you. He's plugged into you through the Spirit. And what's traveling through your heart and out of your life and out of your mouth and in your thoughts 
are things that glorify and honor God. Let me, uh, I love the way 2 Peter uh, says it. Listen to how 2 Peter says it. This is, a, this, this is like, I heard one of my favorite preachers describe this verse. He says, this glows in the dark. This stands out. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. We can participate in the divine nature. My friends, that's the supernatural life that Paul was, was addressing to the church in Galatia, that Jesus is saying, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will produce much fruit. And so when I asked you before, if that, if, is that happening in your life? Do you see that with regularity? Do people outside of you see that and kind of go, wow, you're different? Because if you haven't, you can. And that is what God wants for us. It glorifies and honors him. So we know what it means to remain in him. We connect. We hold on. And, and we depend upon him, and we depend upon his word, and we depend upon his love, and we depend upon many other aspects of relationship with Jesus. And the I in him part is we recognize that this is a supernatural uh, transaction, if you will. This is, this is when the Spirit comes pursuing you and draws you in, and you, your eyes open, and you see your need for a Savior. And when you accept, when those two come together, something supernatural happens. What is it? Well, Jesus says, you will produce much Fruit. Now, what does he mean by fruit? Well, fruit is largely the character traits of Christ in obedience to his word. That is what fruit is. Think about it this way. Fruit in your life and in my life would be, how would Jesus live your life if he was here today living your life? This doesn't mean that when we, if we're to, be, to live like Christ, that we have to go back to Israel, the promised land, become a carpenter, and walk around. No, this is how would Jesus live his life if he was living your life as a mother, as a father, as a, as a teacher? What would that look like? And whatever that would look like, whatever come out of that, that is the fruit, that's the supernatural part of what it means to remain in Christ and for him to remain in you is we produce much fruit. And it is sustainable fruit. It is an impactful fruit. It isn't something that's tied to our circumstances. And it's big and small. It, it takes many different forms. It might be, and we've all been there, right? You, you've had this moment in your life, and you've had many of them, where you knew the right thing to do. But there wasn't one iota of you feeling like doing it. And there was like this big dilemma. Do I do it or do I not do it? I don't feel like doing it. I know I should. And there's this battle. Uh, I, I find that this comes out for me uh, a lot of times in my marriage. I don't feel like doing something for Nancy, but I know I should. And now becomes this battle. We might be in a, in a disagreement. I think I've shared with you guys before that, that my, uh, I, and I, I think I'm better at this. I hope and pray that I am. I've certainly been working on it. But what would happen is when I would get frustrated with Nancy is I pull back. I shut up. And of course, she asked me, what's wrong? Nothing. And, and, you know, women, they just have that sixth sense, right? They just dial into the tone of how I said nothing, the, you know, the, 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 the duration of, of, 
and she knows that there's something. But I, I, I kind of pull back because I, in my selfishness at times is I, I want her to figure it out. And I, I can't, the Spirit of God is going, hey, bozo, tell her why you're upset. Respect her. Love her. Quit being a baby and just waiting for her and selfishly waiting for her to figure it out. That, you, you didn't want me doing that with you. And, oh, no, I, and of course, you never win those arguments trying to convince God of, of your side. But, but, but the point is, you've been there. And, and there are moments when I remember thinking, this is the last thing I feel like doing. I mean, it's almost as if my feet weigh a 1,000 pounds to get off the couch and walk into the room and say, here's what's bothering me. My friends, when I do that, and I don't always do it, that's something supernatural. It goes against everything I want to do. And, and you've been there as well, too. Maybe you avoid a temptation that you know just, just you're susceptible to, and you avoid it. And, and what's amazing about it is you're like, man, I, I didn't, I didn't have to fight that to the death. It just, I, I just felt like, no, I don't, I don't want to go there. And, and, and again, that's, some, that's your peddling, not pushing your peddling through that. Maybe it's sharing your faith when you're afraid. And you just, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm having this conversation. I can't believe I'm doing this. Maybe it's being content and thankful for what you have when you see other people having stuff that you think would be really nice to have. But it doesn't draw you in. My friends, that is the supernatural life that Paul spoke of to Galatia, that Jesus is saying is possible when we remain in him and he in us. Now, let me mention one. Um, there is counterfeit fruit, and I just want to point this out, and this is what's so important. What distinguishes counterfeit fruit from real fruit? It's your motives and your reasoning for what you do, why you do what you do, right? That, that's the supernatural part of it. For example... I honestly believe that most times that when I'm up here speaking to you, something supernatural is happening. And I'm doing my very best, I honestly am doing my very best to serve you and to love you. But there are times when what creeps in is, I want people to like me. I, I want people to think that I'm, I'm proficient at what I do. And, 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 and if I act on that, that's, that's counterfeit fruit because the reason and the motive for what I do is not for the glory of God, not for the good of his people, but it's for me. And that's counterfeit. That's pushing, my friends. That's not peddling. And so there is this counterfeit fruit that we have to ask ourselves, am I doing it for the right reasons? Go back to Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 7. And he's, he's um, recounting these, uh, these individuals who are telling Jesus all these great things they've done for him. And do you remember what he says to them? He says, depart from me, I never knew you. So here they were doing good things. We would look at them and say, there's fruit. But Jesus says, no, it's counterfeit fruit. And it's counterfeit fruit because the reason they did them was for them. It wasn't for God. It wasn't for other people. And my friends, that takes something supernatural. Because we are born with a selfishness. We are born with a desire to, to, to be happy. We're born with a desire to get the big piece and then we'll share all our other stuff. That just, we fight that. So something supernatural happens, but we have to be careful what our reasons and motivations are. The last thing I want to mention about bearing fruit, and this is, 
a truth in the scripture that none of us, particularly in our culture, embraces. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You know what this is saying? Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know what? You can do a lot of wonderful things for me. You can pedal up and down the street and you can glorify my name and you can serve my people and I'm going to prune you. I'm going to bring something into your life that hurts, that's a challenge. I'm going to do that. Actually, God does it. I mean, he, he refers to God as the vine dresser because the vine dresser knows that when he prunes us, there's more fruit. So that when we're doing these good things, God's going to allow some difficult circumstances. God's going to bring something into your life, allow something into your life. But the purpose is not because he's saying that you're doing something wrong or that he has something against you. What he's saying is, I want you to produce more fruit. I, and, and how does more fruit come? It comes when I remain in Christ. And when I face difficult and challenging times, there's two ways to go. There's run from Christ or run towards him and cling and hang on and trust him more. And out of that comes something even more supernatural and spiritual in the fruit that comes out of that. So there's peddling. Let's talk about pushing very quickly. And in pushing, what I mean by pushing, I mean fruitlessness. And that is when I asked you before, you know, what, what's going on in your life? Do you, do you, is, is there fruit going on in your life? Do you see the supernatural happening? And if not, if there's a fruitlessness, then understand that a fruitlessness reveals the absence of connection. And there are consequences to that. And, and Jesus doesn't mince words with this. There's a warning in this power-packed passage of Scripture that is just pregnant with potential, but there is a warning there. In verse 2, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And, and then he picks it back up in verse 6, and he says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch. So this is the ones that he refers to from verse 2. And he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. There are consequences to the absence of fruit in your life. Now, let me, let me step back. This is really important. There are seasons in life. There's winter seasons in life where there is no fruit. You're going through something. Maybe you're, 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 you're an incredible health challenge or, or something's going on. Maybe you're just crazy demands at work and you're just like, man, right now I, I'm just everything I can do to get this done. Okay, understand that. But if you look over your life and you don't see any fruit, fruit, not counterfeit fruit, but the fruit that comes out of a relationship with Christ that is motivated and the reason for which it's done is to glorify and honor God and to serve other people. If that is lacking in your life, and at the end of life when he, we all settle accounts and God goes, I see nothing, that does not turn out well. There's consequences to that. And that is hard. But that is what he's saying here. And that fruit, in verse 8, he says, My Father is glorified by this. You produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So all I'm asking you to think about is, 
And again, th this could be a season, a winter season for you, for sure. Uh, and I realize that spiritual growth can be slow too. It really can. And, and I love the analogy of fruit because fruit takes time. It doesn't just, boom, we don't just microwave fruit. It takes time. But if you don't sense something's changing in you, other people may not be able to see it, but if you don't sense it changing in you, that you're seeing these Christ-like characteristics and traits, you're starting to think that way, feel that way, operate that way, then you really have to ask yourself, am I connected to Jesus? That's really the question to fruitlessness. So, I hope you give some thought as to whether you're peddling or pushing. Because you saw me riding around here peddling. It was a joy. I enjoyed that a lot. The pushing part, not fun. But some of you are living that way. And at times I am as well. But that is not what God has for us. So my challenge for us this week is I'm going to ask you to really reflect on what's supernatural about your relationship with God. Just really ask yourself that. What is happening in my life? What is a, what is, how, would I, how can my life be described any differently than someone who doesn't have a relationship with Christ? Where is the supernatural in my life? And then secondly, is make a plan with specific times and ways that you're going to connect with Jesus and then stick to it. Don't let the kids get in the way. Don't let work get in the way. Don't let sleep get in the way. Don't let whatever else could get in the way. Say, this is my plan. These are the ways that I'm going to remain. Because the amazing thing about this, let's just take self-control. That was the last of the spiritual fruit that Paul spoke of, self-control. Self-control is something that comes indirectly in your life. It's not you wrestling to the ground and pushing and, and with willpower saying, I'm just going to have more control over this or that. No, it's indirect. It's as I remain in Christ, as I connect with him and I work on that and he's in me, there's something that happens over here on the side. I start to develop self-control. It's something that just supernaturally happens. That's what I hope and pray for all of us. Okay? Okay. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your truth. I pray, Lord, as we take a moment now just to kind of let your truth settle into our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in every heart here and those that are tuned in in a life-giving, life-changing way and that you would get the glory, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to do is I want to take just a moment. Um, we're actually going to have the elder team. What, uh, Mark and Greg, if you guys will come down. We invite you, if you want to come pray with them, or if you want to come down front and just pray, we just want some sacred space. And you can ask them to pray for anything. But let's just take some time, just quietly, and do some work in our hearts, and let God just kind of work in our hearts, and then we'll continue to worship.